Hello from the East Coast to the West Coast and to listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. We're broadcasting on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com and their affiliate stations. We're also now broadcasting on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, and you can find them at kstartalkradio.com. Also, don't forget, you can always learn more about our program and find podcasts posted at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Tom Donahue. Tom is a radio talk show host and has also been the program director for TalkStream Live since 2013. He's an investigative broadcaster whose mission is to seek truth, promote liberty, and defend freedom. He's a politically independent constitutionalist and Jeffersonian libertarian. His work has aired on syndicated affiliates that include KCAA Radio, Red State Talk Radio, Orion Talk Radio, TSL Talks, and many other. Others. In the 1990s, Tom hosted America's Town Forum, his nationally syndicated show that broadcasts via Talk America Radio Network, People's Radio Network, and Sun Radio Networks. Later, Tom was selected for national syndication to replace Chuck Harder at the Sun Radio Network weekday afternoons based in Clearwater, Florida. He ultimately joined Chuck Harder's new network, the People's Radio Network, for mid-mornings, and eventually landed with the Talk America Radio Network in Boston, Massachusetts. Tom's also been recognized for his broadcast achievements as a radio talk show host by Talkers the Frontier 50 and TalkStream Live the Power 50. And if you will help me welcome my good friend and colleague, Tom Donahue. How are you doing today, Tom? Angeline, great. Thanks. Thanks for the warm welcome and uh, and uh, all the accolades. And I, I appreciate that. And I do have a storied history, some of it controversial, some of it um, right on target, or at least targeting the, the bad guys as it relates to politics and the media. Well, Tom, for those of us that really don't know how you got your start, why don't we begin there? How did you get the talk radio bug? And then how how did that coincide with your work in the liberty movement? Well, it's actually uh, a, a peculiar pathway. I I was, you know, majored in communications, human and mass communications at Rutgers University. But my interest at that time was not broadcasting. It wasn't journalism. It was, it was more about the human side and relating how people communicate through in organizations and in business and, and uh, various other things. And, and, you know, sales marketing, that kind of thing. And so I, I, I really didn't believe that I would be entering the broadcast field in a direct way, meaning uh, on air. And so it, what what took me in that path uh, eventually was uh, I was listening to talk radio, um, some of it late night with Larry King, some of it uh, in the local marketplace in Philadelphia. And there was a uh, talk show host, um, now icon legend, deceased, uh, Irv Homer. And he was taking on the IRS uh, in his broadcast and he was, uh, City Hall and, and a lot of local stuff, but also national. And when I heard him interview Erwin Schiff as it related to uh, the income tax issues and so the Social Security swindle, I, I just something it just I, it caught fire. I mean, I just it 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 kind of um, uh, lit a, lit a, lit lit the uh, torch of, of liberty within myself, and I didn't expect that. And um, so I went out and bought the book and and started to study in these issues in these areas and. Then eventually I ended up in the publishing field uh, in marketing, 
uh, and I did a relocation to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and covered a four-state territory. And at that time, I was introduced to people, um, you know, in the strangest ways. It just I, I think I was just meant to be. Uh, uh, some of them were John Bergers. Some of them were just America Firsters, uh, uh, tax patriots. And, and I started just gobbling up the material. And the, and the first book, Beyond the, the Tax uh, Protest Issues, um, or, or Tax Freedom and, and uh, Constitutional Issues, was None Dare Call It a Conspiracy by Gary Allen. And that book really, I mean, I was very interested and in, in very engaged. And I started hearkening back, and I said, wait a minute, my political science class at Rutgers, we had six books in, in this particular course, but one of them happened to be C. Wright Mills, The Power Elite. And he was talking about these, uh, the, you know, this elite that came from uh, politics, the military, banking, uh, the media. And so I, I started, it, it all started to tie together for me. And so really it was, it was the, the patriot side as it related to taxes and challenging uh, the unconstitutionality of our taxes and social security system and, uh, and, and forced socialism upon the American populace. And the other really uh, was the conspiratorial side that things don't happen accidentally and randomly, but there it's by design plan. So that's that's kind of how it all started. Um, I can tell you a little more about the, the 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 media mechanics and how I got into it as well. Okay, so in the '90s you start America's Town Forum. Can you tell us how that started? Well, really, uh, when I was in Oklahoma, eventually um, I decided to. Uh, move on from publishing and, and working for a, a, a company to being self-employed, you know, working for myself, uh, independent uh, type uh, contractor. And I uh, was influenced by an organization in Tulsa called the Freeman, uh, you know, Association. Uh, and, and so this Freeman or Freeman Association, uh, you know, Education Association, they, uh, I decided to form the American Liberty Association in Dallas, Texas. I relocated and worked alongside with them. And there was the NCBA out of um, uh, Denver that really helped create this warehouse, you know, free exchange, First Amendment type uh, political associations, and also dealt with gold and silver and our economics as it related to sound money. And and so I, I had this knack. I said, well, why, don't, why aren't there bigger meetings? Why are these meetings like in, in diners and Denny's? And, you know, why, why, why can't we get the the people out. And I said, well, maybe we can bring these, these type of speakers to the, the radio airwaves. And I had this uncanny ability and, and, and I, maybe a little bit of uh, uh, luck as well as a knack for being able to work behind the scenes to organize. And not, not like Obama, because I actually got things done and I actually was working. But the uh, so I was able to bring these various um, you know authors and uh, people that were in, in the Freedom Patriot constitutional movement to the airways that most people, the general populace, never heard, you know, whether it was Pastor Everett Sullivan or former Congressman George Hansen or Eustace Mullins on Secrets of the Federal Reserve and the World Order. And they were they were they were they were the most popular guests that these radio stations, even news stations had. And so then we were doing TV bookings where they you know, where they did interview type uh, shows. And, and, and it, what happened was it went from me doing the solicitation to them uh, sending the invites and inquiries as to, well, when, when is your next rally? When's the next uh, meeting? When, when are you having more guests come into town? And, and it, was that, it was around that time that it, it, it dawned on me that we got to take this message coast to coast and border to border, and that 
you know, and, and everybody was telling me it's impossible. It can't be done. You know, uh, every, you know, everything is controlled. And I said, well, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no. And I kept getting more yeses. And and it and it started to spiral into a, a really good positive force, and so I I started having these dreams and I really felt led by the spirit and I'll say the Holy Spirit and if it offends someone so be it, and uh, you know so I said okay uh, well actually let me step back a, a moment there was a, the Dallas Morning News took a great interest in what we were doing they started seeing these big big meeting halls and rallies and auditoriums and even in churches and. And they uh, they took notice, and so uh, uh, there was a uh, a glossy section of the Dallas Morning News, which still exists, called the Dallas Life Magazine, similar to like New York Times and other big publications on Sundays. They'll have it. It's a you know a, a, a detailed spread on on a particular subject or 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 guest or whatever. And and so they selected myself and my organization, the American Liberty Association, as the group that most modeled the founding fathers, the precepts and 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 the you know the the foundational principles. So the precepts and principles, they 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 said that would go well with the bicentennial celebration of the Constitution back in 1987. And so this was published on September 20th, even though the date for Constitution Day and the, the bicentennial. Well, I mean the date each year is is always September the 17th. So um, it was a great honor, and they gave us a pretty positive um, presentation. That came back to me because uh, Debbie Fisher's passing, and and so so Todd Todd Fisher, uh, the son of Debbie Fisher, uh, read this. I guess he picked up the Dallas Morning News in Los Angeles, and said, "I've been involved in all this conspiracy stuff. It, it fascinates me. And is there any way I can talk to Eustace Mullins?" And I I so I I set that up, and and so Eustace Mullins actually flew out to Los Angeles. I don't think that the film project ever got off the ground, but at least there was great interest. So. So I was getting calls from various patriot leaders and various other organizations saying, how are you doing this in Dallas? And I would explain to them that, you know, how, how I approached them and, you know, how I wrote the press releases and various things. So so I said, OK, um, I was that now I was asked to be a guest on shows, which I, you know, I thought maybe I picked up some things through, you know, uh, osmosis being in, the, in and out of these studios. But I still didn't think that I had all that much to say. And I didn't think that I was really all that well equipped. I wasn't an author and, you know, I, I was basically an organizer, you know, and I was someone that was educating to some degree, making books and tapes available and whatnot. But, and, and so people thought I was a natural. And so, uh, you know, that, that really took off. So I said, you know what, uh, the calling for me was that I had to go on the air, that I had to figure out a way that I could break into uh, the talk radio racket. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy and I was willing to go anywhere to get the experience. So we uh, we did some uh, broker time on the weekends, and that took off well. And I had, that gave me the demo tapes to send out, you know, to the to the various markets. And I had two offers that were pending. Uh, one was in Las Vegas, and the other was in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Oh. And I knew that I, Idaho was, uh, you know, very much conservative, constitutionally based. I knew that there were the groups in Montana and Idaho and. And I figured it would be very popular, and, and I really didn't want to be around a gambling environment. So I took the offer. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but they also gave me an opportunity to sell and help them market, and and it was an instant success. So it, and it was funny. I, I still had that America's Town Forum as the name or America First. The, the real interesting thing was that I started taking some heat from the conservative side because I was against, you know, uh, Papa Bush and his New World Orders, uh, you know, 
Middle East excursions and uh, demolition derby. And and so the Republican Party said, well, we got to back, you know, George, you know, H. Bush, you know, George uh, Bush, the, the senior, you know, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. And I, and I said, oh, I'm not doing that. And I'm not backing him or Cheney. And and um, and, and so, you know, and Cheney at that time was the defense secretary. So I, I was, um, you know, and so there was there was some heat put on me. But but the, the general manager said, your show's popular. You know, you do offer alternate points of view. And, uh, you know, you're generally a pretty conservative guy, just independent. So he, he did not fire me. He did not, uh, which was a call for that, because I wouldn't support the war, even though I supported the troops, you know, in terms of, you know, hoping that, you know, that they could stay out of harm's way and get home as safe and, 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 and as soon as possible. But so so my general manager, he walked in at one point. Oh, well, I know this, this is kind of interesting. He said, um, he said, well, you should be able to produce your own show because I wasn't a technical person. I'm still not that great at, at technical stuff, but I've learned a lot of things. And, and I, I said, well, what, what what do you pay for the uh, the, the producer? I, you know, I, I, I have bigger goals than this. I, I don't want to I don't care about working a board and, and all that. So he told me what she, she would need to be paid for those three hours. So I took it out of my own pay. And I said, I said, I, I just need to stay focused on content, on interviews, on, on research, on delivery of the message. And that's what I did. So um, I actually took a paid demotion and uh, subsidized my my on 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 air producer for that. And about another month or two later, my general manager comes in and says, uh, by the way, he said, Chuck Harder is leaving the Sun Radio Network that he founded. And they're not sure what they're going to do. He said, who knows? Maybe they'd hire you. Well, I went <laughs> into the next room. My show was already complete. I called down to the Sun Radio Network. I asked him how I can send uh, demo tapes. And I, and so he goes, you've sold yourself well. He said, I think we're going to go with this big personality out of New York, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll overview your tapes. So this is on a Wednesday. So, you know, I, I, I called to make sure they received them. They said, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, um, I get a call at 7 in the morning. Well, at that time, that was mountain time. And I'm thinking, who's calling me at 7 in the morning? I'm not an early riser. You know, I was, my show was in the afternoons. And he said, this is, you know, uh, this is Carl, bop, 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 you know, from Sun Radio Network. I've been up all night listening to your tapes. I said, well, listen to my tapes. He said, yeah. He said, uh, we think that you w- w- would be the best person that uh, the audience would accept in, in, in replacing Chuck Carter and also competing with Chuck Carter. Uh, he said, but we can't guarantee anything. Maybe maybe you could hold that job and, and uh and just and do a 30-day trial. I said, well, we're not going to do it that way. I said, with 30-day trial, just ex- I'll just take the risk and 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 relocate and and I will accept your offer. And that's what happened. And it was the biggest news. Everyone thought it was a joke. I, I walk into the studios. I said, I'm going to be receiving a, a, a faxed offer from Sun Radio Network, and I don't have a fax machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all laughing. Mm-hmm. And it was really huge news. It actually was on the TV news and all that. And and so it was a really. I, I mean, I I just stayed focused. I, my dreams were. You know uh, that you know this message had to go border to border and coast to coast. That we had to win back our country. That we had to fight the forces of evil. And and I I never I never gave up on this vision. You know I mean I I, I was being considered for major market uh, positions as well. But if 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 my general manager hadn't come out and just kind of jabbed me a little bit and uh, I mean he was saying it more kind of jokingly, even though he knew I had talent and. And uh, I ended up re- replacing Chuck Harder. I mean, it, it was just um, it was just a, a huge day. And and the day that I replaced him was April first. You know, be befitting April Fool's, uh, nineteen uh, uh, ninety one. And so that was the day that I launched into national syndication. 
and just barely got there. I, I got into Tampa like four in the morning and I was to go on the air at uh, 2 p.m. And so I only got a couple hours sleep and then I didn't even know where the studios were. I, I'd never been to Clearwater. So it was, uh, it, it was, it was, it was just a great time. It was very exciting. And, and, um, you know, there was no internet back then. There was no, um, I mean, people relied on either talk radio, real talk radio through broadcast airwaves stations, or in, there was no podcast. So you could get an audio cassette, you know, delayed, you know, mailed to you. And so it was, um, it was the technology. It was, you know, the vehicle to reach the American populace and try to wake them up, you mm -hmm. know, beyond magazines and beyond meetings. So would you say you were one of the pioneers of what we know today is uh, alternative media? I, well, I, I think so, um, because Alex Jones was still in school <laughs> at the time, and he hadn't even gotten to, um, you know, public access TV yet in Dallas, Texas, um, and then later Austin. So, um, you know, many people do give a, a tremendous amount of credit to, to me because I, I, I was in broadcast radio and, you know, and I talked about the word, the C word that a lot of people, even Chuck Carter would try to kind of dodge that word some and try to, you know, he tried to, you know, make it more uh, palatable. And I didn't worry about being palatable. You know, I, I, I used a sledgehammer. He used the velvet glove. Yeah, he, now he tilted a little more left, but he was alternative. I tilted more right. Mm -hmm. We were both to some degree independent. But, I, I, you know, I would have never had a guest on like uh, Ralph Nader. Mm -hmm. And I would have never been a fan of, of Ross Perot, even though I interviewed Ross Perot. But Chuck Harder and uh, the For the People Network, they got fully behind Perot. And then and they were really, you know, so they were, like I say, I was a staunch constitutionalist and I was a social conservative, but I was very independent thinker and I had some lib libertarian, um, uh, you know, leanings. And and so it. You know, so we we agreed on on a lot of things. And what I did was when I brought speakers to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, well, what happened and this is just, you know, kind of interesting, too, was uh, I was competing against him. So we we were like splitting stations, you know, and I was doing pretty well against the giant in, in the industry. And and, and I, I didn't see him as an enemy, but they kind of did because, you know, I was actually holding my own. They just thought they would take all the stations from whomever was the replacement. So they were very strategic. Uh, there were some issues with that network. You know, um, Chuck helped create some of the financial uh, problems that that network had, and he started over. And and so did they. They, they really were radio people that were trying to run it. And so I knew that it wasn't going to last that long, the Sun Radio Network. And so, so Chuck had his general manager that was still in the Tampa Bay area, even though Chuck was you know relocated to White Springs um, in the hinterland of, in North Florida, very close to the Georgia border. And so I... Um, uh, they said, well, he called me into a meeting. They said, we'd like to offer you the morning position. It, you know, we know that the financial difficulties, that work's not going to last. And we know that, you know, you would bring a lot of audience and you and Chuck would not be directly competing. So we kind of joined forces. And so they said, you could live in the Telford Hotel and brought, you could broad, broadcast in Studio B. And so I did, but it was desolate. You know, it was, I mean, a single guy and in the middle of nowhere and not even grocery stores close by. <laughs> Eventually I said, you know, I gotta, I gotta find, I gotta find a place where uh, there's humanity, you know, and that uh, can have social interaction. I can't just do all uh, broadcast radio. So I, um, I relocated to Jacksonville and also secured a 50,000 watt station as my flagship. So things started falling into place and I started meeting more people and, you know, the, the show continued to grow in popularity and, and it was a, uh, now, I was I almost went with the title of America First, 
Matter of fact, I set up a DBA and any checks that came in for books, tapes, you know, came in the name of America First. On my card, I had America First uh, on it as the organization. But I thought and I was advised that if I called the show America First, they might confuse it with the 1940s America First. They might they might be some negative connotations. So I said, you know what, who could argue with America's town forum? Tom, let's take a break. Listeners, today my guest is Tom Donahue, radio talk show host and program director for Talk Stream Live, and we'll be back right after this message. If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 855-371-FAST, 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 855-371-3278. This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details not available in all states. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Call 800-631-0976. Call right now. That number again is 800-631-0976. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Tom Donahue, radio talk show host and program director for TalkStream Live. Tom, you mentioned populist before the break. What is it that you think Trump did that resonated with the people in the last presidential election? Well, back in the 1992 uh, political uh, election cycle, I did interview Jerry Brown, Pat Buchanan. I interviewed representatives, you know, some of the uh, the higher ups for Clinton and Bush. You know, I didn't interview uh, either of those, but because I had a national platform, uh, I was able to get uh, top shelf uh, guests. Many times I wasn't interested in most of them, but because it was a political season, I was fortunate enough. I had Ross Perot for, I think, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, back then, I also interviewed Pat Robertson, although he was a candidate back in 1988. It was a, So it was really an interesting time, and I really was a fan, and I still have a great appreciation. I don't agree with everything that Pat Buchanan has said or written, but he was the one that talked about America first during his uh, campaign. 
He talked about dethroning King George, and he did win the uh, New Hampshire primary. And so, uh, but I remember this very clearly, very distinctly. On CNN, the the chairman for the Republican Party came on and said, "We will not allow. We will not. We 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 will do all that we have to do to stop Buchanan from being our nominee." So it wasn't a matter about the people voting, and he just won the New Hampshire primary, almost won the Iowa caucus. He was heading into South Carolina with a lot of momentum, but they derailed him. They, they, you know, they, they did everything they could to destroy Pat Buchanan. And I don't think Pat Buchanan gets enough credit for that that particular political run. You know, going against a, a you know a seated incumbent president of your party is is a very difficult task. And um, it's not like just starting. I mean, Trump did have to compete with 17 others. And that was, uh, you know, quite a challenge, a battle royale, if you will. But I think that I, I would have liked to have seen Trump give some more credit to, in particular, Pat Buchanan, even Ross Perot to some extent. You know, they, they they were talking about trade issues, and they were talking about fighting NAFTA and GATT. And so, so, this, so there was this America First uh, movement that was going on in the 90s, not just the 1940s, you know, and trying to keep us out of foreign entanglements and 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 some of the the wars in Europe and 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 the, you know the Pacific. Um, but I I just um, it it almost seems like history has escaped a lot of people and people seem to and even Pat Buchanan uh, has been very humble uh, to not say hey hey basically you stole my playbook because that's really what it was. I mean Pat Buchanan and then Ross Perot to some extent. Uh, we're, we're fighting these issues. And so um, not, not as much, you know, they weren't, they, they were similar, you know, and, but in terms of trade, you know, you had uh, strange bedfellows from the left and the right and um, including myself, Chuck Carter, you know, Ralph Nader, Jerry Brown, it, you know, it was just really, uh, it was really peculiar to see how many people, you know, were, were joining forces to fight this so-called free trade, which was, which is not fair trade. And it's just globe, you know, it's just, you know, enriching the global, you know, the coffers of the global elite. And that's really uh, what we're up against. So Trump, uh, I first thought it he, he was a, it was a joke. I thought that it was a, just a political ploy, you know, that it was, a, a, you know, ego fulfillment. And then I realized, wait a minute, he's in it for real. I could, when I saw the enemy forces that were, you know, lining up against him, I said, they're, they're seeing him as a threat. And so even though he brings you know, his personal, you know, baggage, you know, and, and the fact is that, you know, you know, Trump has, um, you know, uh, not only is he brash and bold and brazen, which in some of ways I, I like that, but he does, uh, he, he tends to blunder, you know, and I, and, and so I, many times throughout this campaign, I had, I had highs and I had very, very low lows because I said, yes, you have the established media you have the political forces of both parties. You have the world elite, you know, against you. And then you go and 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 trip yourself up. So there were so many, you know, personal, professional, and political gaps. There were so many mismanaged moments, and and it was all self-induced, you know. So I, I said to myself, you know, he 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 just can't get out of the way of himself. You know, the bull in the china closet, and it's great to break glass at times. You know, it's okay. I don't mind that. But, you know, he almost undermined his own campaign, and I really thought he had. But as much as I have 
so much disdain uh, for Kellyanne Conway these days. She was essential during the campaign because she knew with her polling company and she knew where to get him uh, the you know the audiences that were that were required to potentially win those electoral states and break and break that blue wall. So I give her a lot of credit, you know, during the election season, you know, and I think that if he hadn't had her, it, it he may not have won. But now she's a liability. I I mean, she's just uh, I mean, now she's acting like Trump in in many ways, like her personal behavior is is just unconscionable. You know, and I mean, the things I mean, she just uh, shooting from the hip the way she does. I thought she was much more polished and professional. And and she was to some extent during the campaign. But but in the governing phase, she's terrible. Tom, we have a short segment because we went long on the first segment. So I got to take a break again. Listeners, today my guest is Tom Donahue, radio talk show host and program director for Talk Stream Live. And we'll be back right after this message. Attention business owners. We know that owning a business means getting things done right now. So if your right now list includes a new building, call the right now company. General Steel. We can design a building for your business quickly and save you thousands of dollars. That's right, thousands. You may think General Steel only builds large projects or that you can't afford General Steel quality. Well, check these prices. How about a 40 by 60 foot building for under $22,000 or even a 50 by 100 for under $35,000? That's right, a 5,000 square foot building for under $35,000. And these buildings all have General Steel quality. Best of all, you can still order a building and have it delivered in time to build this year. How's that for right now so if your right now list includes a new building call the right now company general steel 800-965-1291-800-965-1291-800-965-1291 that's 800-965-1291 want to lose weight then turn your body into a furnace that literally melts the fat away. That's exactly what Thermometer does. Thermometer is uniquely formulated with patented ingredients like bitter orange, brown seaweed, and decaffeinated green tea. Their combined thermogenic properties boost up your metabolism and turn up the heat in your body so you melt the fat away without any jittery side effects. Thermometer is not available in stores. It's only available to listeners of this station. We're giving away 100 free bottles right now to anyone who enrolls in our special trial offer. Call now for your risk-free trial offer. 800-430-4147. 800-430-4147. 800-430-4147. One more time. 800-430-4147. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show today. My guest is Tom Donahue, radio talk show host and program director for Talk Stream Live. Now, Tom, what part do you think the alternative media played in this presidential election? Because in elections past, we were always on the sidelines, you know, talking, but nobody was listening mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. mainstream taking a notice. I think in this presidential election cycle, the alternative media was finally heard because now we noticed the established media had taken notice of us. So what part do you think 
alternative media played this go around? Well, it played a pivotal role. And when I say alternative media, we're not talking about alt-right, uh, although there, there was alt-right that were involved, but alt-left was involved with uh, helping um, uh, Hella Hillary. And uh, I, I think that was was very interesting. I've never been a fan of Alex Jones personally or professionally. You know, some of the content is true. Some of it, you know, uh, is is basically, you know, he he learned it from myself and others that were doing this prior to him. Uh, but I always prided myself on truthfulness, and I always prided myself on on if 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 I didn't believe that there, that there was enough evidence to substantiate my claims. I wouldn't say it, or I'd say it in ways that I say I'm hypothesizing or I'm theorizing. But this guy is as fast and loose with the facts, and in many ways he's um, he has helped. Uh, I would say to discredit many of our theories and many of our claims and many of our truths. And so, so there's a mixed bag there. So I think the telling tale was that I never said that he worked for the other side. I I, I always said that he was an opportunist. I always said that. You know, uh, you know, he was a maniac in many ways because I know how he's treated people over the years, you know, personally and professionally. And I and, and these are documented cases. But I, I, I never knew for sure what his motivation was beyond making money and, 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 and ego fulfillment and, and maybe to some extent the movement. So I was always dubious. But there's others that claimed without facts that he, he had sold out and that he was working for the other side. And I, and I said, well, I don't have enough evidence of that. You know, I said that I'm suspicious, I'm dubious, but I don't know. But when he went full throttle, not knowing if, if he would get a backlash from the alternative uh, uh, media, because I, I thought the alternative media was going to say, oh, Trump is just a player and he's part of, you know, it's being orchestrated and, and we're being fooled. He went all in for Trump. So he played a, a huge role. The biggest role not only for 2016, but 2012, and getting him primed for this was Michael Savage. And yes, you say, well, Savage is on 300 radio stations and he's more mainstream. That's okay. But Savage didn't know if this would work out well for him and his career, but he always befriended and always um, promoted Trump, no matter what. And so he almost, meaning Trump, he almost was a candidate. And then he decided to, to extend his contract and continue working uh, for his, you know, you know, his Trump organization, but more importantly, pro- well, I don't know about more importantly, but but probably equally important to him because of, uh, you know, he he is a narcissist and he is an egotist. So so he wanted to continue on with the Apprentice, Celebrity Apprentice. So he decided he declined to run for office, and then he was just so disgusted with the the Romney campaign and and how that election was completely squandered that he started talking privately to Roger Stone and others and saying, I, I, I may run for real. And so, so I would say over those next couple of years, you had Michael Savage, you know, always kind of um, coaxing him and, and, and having him on the program and talking to him about a possible run. And then he eventually did commit and, and, and joined the race. So I think that he played a huge role that was, Yes, part mainstream, part alternative conservative movement. Uh, you know, Infowars and Jones played a role. And another person that I was I have not been a fan of uh, over the years, but I, I and again he is repetitive and he's robotic and and um, you know I thought he was just a you know um, you know a busboy for the GOP and like Rush was the Mater D. 
and I found out that he took a tremendous amount of heat, and that's um, Sean Hannity. He was Sean a Hannity, surprise for sure. He, he played a major role uh, mm-hmm. because he had television and radio, and 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 the attacks kept coming and coming, and 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 Trump would would continue to trip himself up, and then it was one report after another report, and it really looked at some point whether it was grabbing the kitty cat uh, of women, and it was just it, it was like. I thought I thought at one point the baton was just going to be handed over to Mike Pence. And he's a good guy. He's a radio guy, a conservative guy, and but he would he wouldn't be doing all the bold and, and um, you know the, the 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 work that Trump's. I mean, I've never seen, and even Michael Reagan, the adopted son of of Ronald Reagan, said he's never seen a president that includes his father that's worked this hard and gotten this much done so quickly at such a frenetic pace, and. He said that he's a promise keeper. Who, who would have thought that a president would actually want to keep his promises? So, um, so yes, uh, there, there were – and Mike Gallagher was another one. I was never a big fan of Mike Gallagher, you know, and um, I thought he was kind of an overrated Salem host. But I'll tell you what, this guy – I mean, all these guys took the Trump campaign on their back. They took the hits. And nobody knew if this guy was going to be, you know, the ultimately the, you know, prevail and become uh, the GOP nominee. Many didn't think he'd make it through the summer with all the controversies. And they never wavered. They still they stuck with him. So talk radio, whether it be the alternative or even some classic traditional conservatives got behind it and said and, and they actually went against some of their their stances. See, I've always been a fair trade populist protectionist. You know, I've never believed in this nonsense of, of, of you know, uh, even the libertarians believe in open borders. And, and I always believed in border wall and security and and sovereignty of the nation and preserving its culture, et cetera. And so you, you so you have, um, you know, uh, these people that became almost overnight, they, they started to embrace this protectionist populist point of view, America first point of view, where these are the ones that were promoting and protecting the neocons and war games and those that were free traders and 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 the basically fu to uh, the the rest of uh, of of the American citizenry in particular you know the working class and and the uh, you know the manufacturing uh, belts of this country so it was really you know I, I mean I was shocked I mean I really was taken back. And I, when, when I came back into talk radio, we can talk about that, too, uh, I came up with the title of uh, Free Thinker Radio because I want people to think. At that time, in 2009, 10, 11, everybody was just like, it's conservative, it's liberal. You know, it's black, it's white. You know, there's no gray area. There was no independent thought. You know, it was like, you know, one side versus the other. And then, it was, then you had, like, the alternative, uh, you know, uh, radio, you know, alternative media that – was it was fractured it it was it was it was not really surfacing uh in mainstream and it wasn't really that effective and so this has just changed the whole dynamic everything is wide open now i i really believe that this country was on life support i really believe that that by electing trump it gave um life extension i mean we were re- there was ready i was ready and i think most people would have believed that america was ready for a burial 
you know, the, the, the obituary was written if Hillary Clinton had become president. Tom, let's take our last break. Listeners, today my guest is Tom Donahue, radio talk show host and program director for TalkStream Live, and we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. control your health care with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is an alternative to expensive health insurance. You can finally make the right decisions for you and your family. It's not insurance, it's medical cost sharing. You can affordably control the cost of your medical expenses. It's a group of individuals effectively sharing the cost of health care and paying far less for it. You don't even have to pay for procedures that are unnecessary or that violate your conscience. This is based on shared values. You are not alone. With Liberty Health Share, you're part of something bigger, a group of people who care for and support one another. Join the movement of people who share in medical costs and change the way you pay for your health care forever. It's simple and easy. Call 1-800-714-6993 right now for more information or visit libertyoncall.com. Get a free estimate today. Liberty HealthShare, there is an answer. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Call 800-631-0976. 800-631-0976. Call right now. That number again is 800-631-0976. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Tom Donahue, radio talk show host and program director for TalkStream Live. Now, Tom, what do you think is going to be in the future in four years. Do you think Trump's going to only be a four-year guy, or do you think he could win the second term? Things are so volatile right now. And, you know, the new world order, if you notice, Trump hasn't done anything. He hasn't said much about the Federal Reserve. He's put in some guys that, you know, have ties to the neocons and have ties to the, the banking Wall Street order. But I think he realizes that that he's giving the orders. Even though sometimes they'll they'll say in a conference uh, setting or in a, a you know at a press uh, you know they'll, they'll say things that are a little bit different than than President Trump, but I think that if he if he started to see them try to take him down a path he didn't want to go he would fire them and so um, so I'm not too concerned but you know I'm hoping that as time goes on he gets settled in if he ever does that he can take on the Federal Reserve system you know and uh, maybe bring in Ron Paul and. And uh, some others that, you know, could help him uh, with that particular issue that has been he's been mostly silent on except for policy of the Fed. But maybe, you know, and I, I know that he's good friends with Roger Stone and, and they, they, they assure their audiences when they appear that Trump knows all these things. You know, he knows all about the conspiracy, knows all about the Federal Reserve. 
knows all about um you know the the true insiders you know the the elitists uh that run you know this world order and so he's disrupted this world order and so um i don't know what they they plan to do about it you know they trump uh my understanding is he has his private security as well as secret service he knows that his life is in danger he knows that um some of these bold strokes and uh initiatives uh are are not sitting too well with the established order and back to the bush thing it was interesting that george bush went off painting, you know, just living a quiet life, you know, doing some things behind the scenes, but would never, not once in eight years did he ever criticize Obama. He's already, even if he's doing it kind of in his nice folksy way, criticizing Trump. So I think this book that came out is more of a rouge than anything so that he can start speaking out against Trump. And he's done it almost everywhere he's gone. And remember, they're, they're still... Uh, hurting because of uh, what happened to Jeb Bush, and so, and again, I, I like the fact he's working with women, wounded warriors, and all that. But the, but if George Bush and Dick Cheney hadn't sent them in to the to some of these senseless uh, conflicts, uh, they they wouldn't have been maimed, and they wouldn't have died. Um, so uh, so if we had not had a neocon, uh, you know, militaristic order in the White House run by Dick Cheney. We wouldn't have that. The, many of those soldiers would not have um, lost their limbs, and many that lost their lives. So uh, I blame them, and I think that there'll be a, a, a nice fire, fiery pit for uh, George, both Bushes that were president, and Dick Cheney. And if someone disagrees, that's fine. It's you know, at least, at least now I can say it's a somewhat free country. Uh, we were leading down the path that there was not going to be a, a free country, you know, um, and it, it was, uh, you know, it was really, really, I, it was scary. You know, it really was alarming that that we could have another Clinton. I mean, they wanted a Bush and a Clinton to, to battle it out, and they and they would win no matter who won. And so they didn't win this time. You know, uh, even Reagan, they they were afraid of Reagan, and and I was told by at that time he was the president of the Arizona Breakfast Club that knew Ronald Reagan very well. Ronald Reagan confided in him and said that that George Bush, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, was forced onto him, and so he had to take him. In order for him, they said he'd be smeared worse than Barry Goldwater if he hadn't taken George Bush to be his vice president. And and what did Ollie North say during Iran-Contra when he said, well, who'd you report to in the White House? He said, you know, in the basement offices, I reported to George Bush, vice president. George Bush was running a lot of these CIA covert secret operations. And at that time, Reagan was, you know, he was shot after saying some things about the IRS and the Federal Reserve that seemed to be somewhat suspicious, especially when the Bush family had a relationship with the Hinckley family. So in Denver, which a lot of people don't really know. So you have this Billy Bush tape comes out. Well, Billy Bush is part of the Bush political dynasty, the the, the, the crime uh, syndicate, the clan of, of, of the Bush family. And so my feeling is, and again, I don't know for sure, but my, you know, you know, I'm speculating, but I think that I'm on the right path here. And that is that Billy Bush uh, was told by Jeb and, and, and others in the Bush clan that uh, give us that tape and we're going to sit on that tape. And, yeah, it's going to hurt your career, but we got plenty of money for you. So, you, you know, you don't worry about it, but you got to do you got to take this one for the team. And so they, they, that tape was known for a, quite some time. And then, boom, it's released. They thought that was the final blow, that this would knock out all the cons- all the conservatives and all the evangelicals that that weren't real comfortable with the personal behavior and and the erratic nature and the baggage of Trump. But they said, you know what? The policies are in alignment 
for the most part with what we want, and we're going to support them. And and you know, just like uh, um, Jerry Falwell Jr. said, he said we're not electing, you know, a um, a pastor in chief. We're electing a commander in chief. So we're not expecting that kind of perfection. And so they thought that was it, that it, it was over. Matter of fact, uh, there's been some reporting, and I think there's some credibility to this, that Trump at one point said to Mike Pence, I think I'm going to have to uh, give this over to you. And they said, well, <laughs> that's not the way it works. You're not able to do it that way. But they could have worked it through some kind of a, uh, re-reconvening and, and, and some kind of voting, and they could have um, given it to Pence. But it couldn't have been just like, you couldn't just walk out and say, Mike Pence is now your candidate. It would have had to go back to the, um, you know, the GOP and the RNC to, to work that out. But it was close. And the thing that uh, bothers me about Trump, he never wants to admit he's wrong. You know, I like someone that can be humble. You, know, you can be bold, but, you, it, but there's a humble side and you can come out and say, I could have handled that differently. Or I misspoke or I made a mistake or, you know, um, make amends. He doesn't do that. And then he, and then he likes to have these little feuds with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and some some plump beauty queen and and some has been uh, from Hollywood and you know these things are just ridiculous. It's nonsensical. It's it's you know um, uh, you know so I don't know if he's going to continue to mature. I mean he gave a great speech, a, a, a tremendous speech, you know, reporting to the nation. Even though it's not technically the State of the Union because he hadn't been in office a full year, but it's it, it you know it's it's similar to the State of the Union. And all I can say is that the good Lord has used. All kinds of men and women throughout, you know, biblical times and even in modern times that you would not think could be the hero, that could be the savior, if you will. And I don't, I don't take that word lightly. But, it, but really, he is becoming the hero and the savior of this country, politically speaking. You hit and the nail on the head. No one, no one yeah. have thought that, that that Donald Trump would 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 be, you know, the elected. I mean, and again, also, who cares about the popular vote? It means nothing. The rules, it'd be like, you know, trying to change the, the rules in a basketball game and say, well, we, we hit more three-point shots. Yeah, but but the, but the total points that count it, you lost. You know, I would have just, if I was Trump, I would have said, if we, if it ever changes, and, or if it had been the popular vote, I would have spent more time in all the population centers and gathered up and garnered more votes and, and spent more advertising dollars and did more rallies. That's not the, that, that he played by the rules, and he won by a super wide margin. I mean, 30 states to 20. Tom, I I hate to tell you this, but we're about out of time. And before we go, could you tell us what you might be doing in the near future as far as, you know, your writing or broadcasting? And also before we go, I'd like you to give your website address out so that people can check out your work online. There's some things that are in the works. And you know a little bit about them, and we're gonna we're gonna discuss that. Um, matter of fact, you, you you're gonna have some involvement with that, um, and I think it looks pretty good at this point. But I I like being drawn out. Like I was on with the Earth Radio Live guys uh, from a former hometown of mine in Jacksonville, Florida, and and they're also online. And, and that that particular interview is available uh, through my um, podcast directory and through my website. And I'll give that out in a second. And I it's really difficult for me being a former syndicated, I was on 150 to 200 radio stations in my peak. And and then go from that to you go online and you're trying to look, find out how many people are on the stream, how many people may have downloaded a podcast. And then you go, it's really, you know, I'm not having the, the that kind of major impact or success. And I, I don't feel like I have to 
carry the weight of the world on my shoulders, which back in the 90s, when there's so few of us that were doing this, you, all you had was, you know, talk radio. You had magazines, which, you know, it took forever to get published and audio tape. And then you had uh, International Shortwave, which I was also on. So some people were saying, I think he sounds familiar. Well, I, I also was involved not only with the, 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 the broadcast during the day, but it rebroadcast. And sometimes I would even do a monologue to introduce uh, an interviewer segment on uh, international shortwave uh, that was a WWCR. So my show would come on, then Bill Cooper, then Tom Valentine. So it was kind of the trifecta. And that's where, that's where the alternative media really got going, was on international shortwave radio. But I was the one you know, that penetrated established talk radio because there was nobody else you know, that was on that many stations that were that were talking about this on a daily basis. And my, my website is TomDonahueReports.com, TomDonahueReports.com. Well, Tom, listen, thank you so much for giving me the interview today. And uh, we got to have you back on because there's so many other things that we've got to talk about. So listeners, today my guest has been Tom Donahue. He was the pioneer radio talk show host in alternative media and he's currently program director for TalkStream live we've been discussing a little bit about his background and we hope to hear again from you soon tom again thanks so much angeline thank you for um um the invite thanks for the the good interview and i i want to close out with one of the, my trademark mottos putting america first new world order dead last patriotism in action listeners until next week god bless Thank you.